This podcast is not to be used as medical advice or medical education. If you are experiencing pain, discomfort, or any other medical or physical ailment, please consult a licensed medical doctor or physical therapist. This is the strategy of fitness. Welcome back to episode 19 of the Strategy of Fitness. My name's Nick Cressy, joined weekly with Daniel Gorin and Rob Rowland. What's going on, guys? Hey, this is Dan Gorin. Please give us a follow on Apple Music or iTunes, whatever the hell it's called now, the Strategy of Fitness podcast. It's awesome. We got a couple new reviews up of people. Yo, that Paul Carney, shout out. Best review yeah. yet. That was a great review. So thanks, Paul Carney. Please like, subscribe, follow on Spotify, follow on iTunes, Apple Music, the Strategy of Fitness. You could also check out the Strategy of Fitness official gym hitters. And I will say somebody put some Spanish music in our gym hitters on Spotify. So that is a, uh, no, 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 this is, uh, we got hacked. I was, I, you know, I was a hundred, I'll tell you what, talk to me about work, workout later, but I was doing a hundred burpee box jump overs for time. And after, you know, the great rap metal and all the great stuff we have on there, I swear it was like uh, Enrique Iglesias, something popped up and it ruined, ruined my day more so than any, any Florida Georgia line song could have. Oh my um, God. We've been hacked. We, we were legit hacked. So, Hey, anyway, I fixed it. I think I got all the hacked songs out of there, but the strategy of fitness official gym hitters on Apple iTunes and Spotify and Rob, I'm not going to make you do the intro anymore. Y'all know his father, Rob. What's up? Hey, just a question. Was it Bilamos that came on by Enrique? Because that's, that's on my list for today. (laughs) (laughs) It was not, I, I, it was like a no, like, I think it was like a no name artist who I wasn't Enrique Iglesias. I mean, can't forget, forget a great Enrique song. It was some no name like artist. I think was like trying to get his name out there and he got, he, he weaseled his way into our Spotify and doesn't go unnoticed by old Dan here. So fixed it. It's, I mean, how could it go unnoticed? Something that <laughs> egregious. I would hope, I mean, if that hits your speakers, Oh buddy, especially was, on, on burpee box jump overs. It's, Oh, that's, that's, that's rough, bud. Yeah. It, it definitely cost me a few seconds having to like, figure <laughs> out how to change the song in time. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Well, this, this week we're talking last week, it was deadlift, you know, find you a podcast that can do both this week. We're talking running. So two ends of the spectrum. So that's what we're going to dive into all show, but beforehand, let's go around the room as we do and talk about the week in review with workouts. Rob, you've been quiet so far. Hit it. Still being a fitness journey, man. This week, I got three really good lifts in like good old fashioned, just power lift bodybuild style lifting for like an hour straight got a couple good runs in nothing no no big prs or anything to to rave about i played some basketball today for like the first time in a year and i was absolutely smoked so even though i feel like my my cardio is in a good place it's just gives you a good perspective on specificity like 30 minutes and running up and down the court like there's no way to prepare for that except playing basketball so i was pretty disappointed in my my fitness there your shins are going to be on fire tomorrow aren't they Nah, 30 minutes. If you get shin splints from 30 minutes, then you're you're osteopenic. Not shin splints, (laughs) but I've noticed that even in my peak 
I guess now it's my peak. But even when I was in great shape running around all the time, I'd go out and play either basketball. I guess it was more than 30 minutes or or football. And your, your body's just not used to shifting like that. Or I guess mine wasn't. And I'd feel it in my hips and, and shins. Not shin splints, but... Good on you if you're not going to have any. Uh, I tell you what, though, the Nike Metcons are a great crossover basketball shoe. Like that might be one of the best, huh. most utilitarian shoes ever made. Hmm. Here, here we go, Rob. All I care about two questions here. One, Rob, can you still dunk? I didn't All dunk I in this about. game because about three times up and down the court, my uh, my power went down by about ninety percent. So no dunks in the game. Sorry. And then number two, Nick. I don't think we've ever played basketball. Have we ever played basketball together? Maybe back in the day, but not like. Wait, like, are you good at basketball? I can see you being like sneakily good at basketball, or just a complete dunce. No, I'm not great. I can rebound pretty well because that's effort, and most people don't really <laughs> don't really want to do that. So I'm I'm good in the paint as far as like kind of throwing some elbows you, and getting like in. a like. Do you have a jump shot? Like, no. is, would this is this be something I could beat you in? Like, pretty pretty handily. Hmm. If you if you can if you can score if you have a good jump shot then you'd probably beat me. And believe it or not, I'm actually Rob can attest this. Not horrible at basketball. No, I was just remembered. I, f- I forgot you and me. We went wives, maybe just girlfriends at the time, like two on two basketball one time. I totally forgot about that. Oh yeah, we smoked you guys. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I can be totally wrong on that. Did we win? I don't know. No, I'm pretty sure we uh, we beat you pretty pretty good. No, you can actually. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Well, it's been a while for Leah, and I think you're probably a little better at basketball than me. I, I think of you as Woody Harrelson in White Man Can't Jump. Like, that's your outfit when you come to the basketball courts. That is me. That's my favorite movie, and Woody's my hero in that movie, and that's the highest compliment I could have get. <laughs> All right, we're starting off on a good foot. How about, uh, how about your workouts this week before we <laughs> go into a basketball hole? Okay, sorry. Today was an interesting day. So devil presses, Rob, do you ever mess with devil presses? Or do you think the, de- the devil? No, it was the first exercise you guys ever brought up that you knew and I didn't know. All right. Do you have your mess with them or no? No, I thought about it once you showed them to me, but I haven't done anything with that yet. Oh, great. I was, uh, so this is a pretty simple workout, but it's one minute on one minute off for six rounds. Devil presses at 50 pounds. Like I said, pretty simple. It was totally gassed me out. I hit eight for the first round, seven, seven, seven. So four sevens in the middle and then six for the last round. It was pretty rough. And then did a, you know, kind of just a general Metcon with no measures. But then I did the uh, Pat Vellner put out a challenge of the 100 burpee box jump overs for time. Somebody hit me up with that challenge. Uh, Paul from our gym. So did 100, 100 burpee box jump overs for time at nine minutes and 57 seconds. You know, and that includes the uh, changing the Enrique Iglesias song. So not not the worst thing in the world. I'll tell you, it wasn't even that like your my breath was. I wasn't that out of breath. It was just the legs just just really failed me there towards the end. But good little challenge if you ever want to do it. What about you, uh, Nick? What did you do uh, for the week? This week was pretty tough, honestly. Thumbing through what I did. There's just so much, you know, like I said, Chris sends me 10 workouts a week and I'm back on that grind where I can hit almost all 10. So, you know, one of the fun ones was a a three, a three K ski for time every two minutes, starting at zero, five burpees and five wall balls. So, you know, you're thinking you'd like to be able to hit a 502 minutes on the ski. That's a pretty conservative pace, but you're losing 24 to 30 seconds with the the five and the five. So that mm-hmm. ended up taking me, I think, 15 minutes. That was a really good like PM a- after work sweat. Today was was kind of a nasty one. I, I woke up this morning. It was cold, really cold for the first day in a, in a while. 
one of the setbacks of the garage gym and got out there and did, it was every two minutes for 20 minutes, so 10 sets of four squat cleans like 75%. So I did it at 255. Can't do touch and go. So that's, what is that? 40, 255 pound squat cleans in 20 minutes. That was taxing. And then Marston at Hero Wad, I did that this evening, which is 20 minute AMRAP, as many reps as possible or as many rounds as possible. One deadlift at 405, 10 toes to bar and 15 bar facing burpees. Never done that workout before. It was a real, real, real serious test for me to like stay patient. And, you know, I, I, I want to, I'm the type of person that wants to like get done the cardio and go get the strength piece out of the way. Cause typically that's kind of my, my strength, but you know, I've, I've been dealing with this lower back for, I feel like 12 months now. So it was one of those things where I got down, get, got done the 15 Bar facing burpees took maybe 20, 30 seconds, not worth re-injuring myself. Ended up getting 10 rounds plus an additional deadlift. So that's a fun workout and it's super scalable. So like if you're trying to just see what your what your deadlift is in a workout in a Metcon like that, you know, do it at 225, do it at 185, whatever. Really the, the workout from what I can tell is is one and lost on those bar facing burpees. I did 150 of them in 20 minutes. It sucked. So I got one question and one comment based off of your, your workouts for the week. So first question, you're doing 10 workouts in a week. Mm-hmm. How are you breaking this up? Do you have days totally off? Like what, what does your Mm-mm. split look like? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you learned nothing, Rob, about asking Nick about the days off that don't exist? <laughs> yeah. So, so let me clarify. He sends 10 workouts. Last week I got 10. The week before I think I did nine. So this week I'm, I'm tracking for 10 if I get two in tomorrow. A lot of those days, like one of the days was a 30 minute run and then the ski. So, you know, I didn't touch a weight, but that's essentially an off day, right? Like, like tomorrow I, I have a bunch of bike erg stuff or 200 calories on the bike, echo bike or a lifting workout. So I could do the lift tomorrow and then the double bike on Sunday. I'll probably do a, the lift piece tomorrow and one of the bikes and then Sunday will just be a bike. So, you know, there's four or five sessions that are simply cardio. So it's not like I'm lifting 10 times a week. Gotcha. And then back to the skier. So I want to give a shout out to coach slats. Since now I know he listens to the podcast, coach slats, AKA Maddie slats, AKA the bear, AKA Maddie ice. So one time he did a uh, 500 meter skier. So we talked about the skier, how much I love that thing. Mm-hmm. 500 meter sprint on that thing is really hard. Cause it, like your power diminishes really fast. That dude, I think he hit a 121. Oh and he had a God. headache for like three weeks afterwards. I think he gave himself a stroke by it, but it was one of the most <laughs> impressive performances I've ever seen. Oh, good Lord, dude. I've never heard of anyone even messing with a time like that. He's a, he's a powerful bear. <laughs> Clearly, with all those AKAs, AKA the ski doctor, AKA too. <laughs> good for that, dude. That's awesome. Oh, AKA Oats and Hose. I forgot one. <laughs> Oats and Hose. Ski, ski slats. Yeah. Do you guys have any uh, anything fun coming up this week that you're when when's the three bars of death going down, Dan? I have to talk to, like I said, Dave, but I believe it's going to be Sunday, January 26th. We hit the three bars of death. It's going to be sick. I'm pumped. I'll try it. Like I said, I'm going to try to IG live stream and you guys can just laugh. Like you'll see me on the bench and, and be like, wow, like I am listening to this person talk about fitness. Like what a fucking waste of my time. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I'm happy to do it on the bench. I will. I like. I like. I will. But it it would be terrible to see you asphyxiate on a barbell live on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, you'll be in competition too. They won't. They're going to help you. Yeah, Pete's getting ass cancer when I'm 90. So fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) And then Rob, for you, I mean, how much longer is the journeyman program? I mean, it sounds like you can kind of just float in and out, and it doesn't matter. You're by far the least structured of all of us, and it seems like you're comfortable with that. Yeah, I got like one more week before the semester kicks in for school, so. I'll have a real idea what my schedule is like after that. I, I feel like what I'm doing right now is just trying to find like a way for me to train every day that works in my schedule. Like when I have a baby here, because I can't, I can't go to the gym for an hour and a half, two hours. Like I got to just learn how to squeeze things in when I can. So it's kind of just like, I, I'm getting an idea of a bunch of workouts. that kind of hit all the major targets for me. And I'm just trying to find like a system that works. And I, I feel like I'm kind of, kind of got it going now. And then do, do your athletes ever challenge you or tell you, hey, come jump in on this workout? I've, I've wondered that. At my current job, I haven't broached that. I don't think I've been there long enough. My last job, I would do that all the time. But this one, not yet. I've done like one of the run tests, but not with the team, obviously. This right. is just a point for me. So when I have my daughter, Bailey, shout out to Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually, They're the best. It's so easy. It's cheap, easy way to to give somebody credit. When I had Bailey, I, I hit you up, Rob, and I was like, I don't want to be a fat dad. Like, started doing my programming. And Rob came through with months and months, actually three years of free programming. So shout out to you, Rob. I, I thought to be an interesting child. I was thinking about this today. Like, you're having a, a, a kid soon, and I feel like you need an accountability, accountability buddy. I would love to see you get, like, you know, Chris Clyde or someone of that nature to, to do your programming for, like, a year and just kind of see what happens to you. What are your thoughts, Nick, Rob? Yeah, I think great. I'd be for that. It's just figuring out like my availability of like what gym I'm going to be in and what my realistic like schedule for training is. But um, I'd be I'd be definitely open to something like that. Can I give you a quick workout from from a work and see if you if you can complete it this week? I got one up because we were talking about T Nation. Are you ready for this challenge? Let's see it. I'm going to read this because I don't I don't want to sum it up. So the guy on T Nation. If you haven't looked at T-Nation, check it out. I discovered the combination I called the Eagle a few years ago, the school mascot where I was teaching, blah, blah, blah. It's combined this is this, a Dan John article? <laughs> it combined the simplest of load carries, the farmer's walk with double kettlebell front squat. The athlete simply does eight double kettlebell front squats, then drops the weight to his sides and does a farmer's walk for 20 meters. He then does another eight squats. Repeat until completing eight circuits without putting them down, if possible. It's going to be two 24-kilo kettlebells. It also says when you're done, go hurl in a bush because it's just an absolute savage workout. So That is, that is Dan John, right? Is that the author of that article? Uh, I don't know. I thought you said Dear John. Yeah, Dan John. Yep. Yeah, my, my buddy's done that one. I don't think I've, I've ever done it, but I, I'd give that a shot. I can, I can find some 28s at work. and So it's eight front squats walk them. 24. 20, 24 kilos. Okay. Yeah. Eight, eight, eight front squats, walk them 20 meters, eight front squats. So that's 16. Then I guess you walk them back. So it's really 40. So 16 and 40 is one. You do that eight times and they're saying not to put the bells down, which I think is insanity, but I'll do that. All right. Cool guys. I'm excited to hear how that goes, Dan. Hopefully uh, the benching is going up and we'll have a good update next week. Yeah, I'll get you updated. So I did it last Sunday and it was again 190, almost uh hit four on that last set of five. So still kind of 
working on that five by five at one ninety, but I'll get it. I'll get it tomorrow or uh, Sunday whenever I do it this week and uh, get back to you on that. And three bars of death coming soon. Hell yeah! It's, and is your body weight going up at all with your protein intake? Still, ha- I was one eighty eight last Saturday. I'm guessing I was like. I'll probably be like 186 or 187. I'm really not trying to gain body. Like honestly, like I'm the sloppy. I'm the sloppiest skinny guy you'll ever see. So it's like it's a disaster. If I like, I don't know, man. I I think I could be at six foot 188 or like six foot 185 or whatever. And I just I just want to be like a more muscular version of that self. So maybe that's limiting me and you know my ability to get stronger. But I don't know. What do you think? You think I should just start going at like? Three thirty five hundred calories a day and like three hundred grams of protein. You just see just how how big I can get. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know the answer. I just didn't know if the if the new protein intake was actually doing anything to to the body weight at all. I think it's helping my strength. I, I really do. I I really think that it's going along with focusing on the strength and the concentrated strength that you guys have been really pushing on me. I, I think that the protein is helping with the strength and definitely helping with the energy in some of my workouts. That's the thing I've noticed. But again, my caloric intake, I keep pretty uh, pretty regimented in, in regards to uh, kind of that standard tracking macros, trying to get that protein up. But I haven't increased the calories. So I think that Got by it. not doing that, I, I'm hopefully refining you know the diet that I'm using. So that's what I'm working on right now. Cool. Very good. Cool. Well, that was a little bit longer week in review, but I liked it, guys. Hopefully you did too. Now let's transition smoothly to the topic of the week, and it's running. Rob, take it away. All right. So I think this would be like a good contrast last week. We talked about the, the Mac Daddy of all lifts, the deadlifts, the marker for strength for all people. And I think running is like the perfect contrast to that, right? So I have, I feel like in our group text, we've had some interesting talks about running, and I want to have a a conversation on the podcast just to hit like a few different points. I didn't know the best way to organize it, but even for the listeners, like the, even the generic, like just going to the gym, I feel like everybody runs, they want to get better at running. It's really the most common mode of fitness that people, people engage in. So to kind of start and get like a baseline for everybody, I want to talk about like our experience with running, what our, what our background is, how we continue to do it now. So for me, like in college, that was like one of my main ways that I thought to get lean would, I was, would be running. I like, I was, Decent. And then I got away from it for a while. I wanted to strongman training because when you do strongman running is catabolic and it makes you weak and it makes you, makes you soft. So a few years ago, my, my wife's always been a, a really good runner. So she took me for like a five mile run and about halfway into it, I, I had to walk and it was the, like the biggest EDO check I've ever had. So ever since then, I've kind of had this self-imposed standard that we'll, we'll go over later, but I make it a thing that at least every other week I'll do one, one long run and I probably get a run in like every, like one to two runs a week. And then I started doing like races. Like we talked about that trail race, did a marathon relay this year. I've done a, the ruck marathon. So it's, it's something that's always in my programs. I think if you should definitely as a human, just be strong, but the ability to run, I feel like is a basic need that everybody has. Like it's something we're, we're designed to do. We're endurance beings. Like not to be able to run is kind of like uh spitting in the face of your your ancestors. So Nick, I know you have a pretty uh standard military running background, but any anything else you want to add into like your background experience with running? No, not really. I I always been able to do it. It's nothing I've ever truly, truly, really focused on. Like I just want to be good at running. But I totally agree with you. I think it's great supplementally and it's one of those things that like I'm very happy to say that I've never been on a run and had to stop, like no matter what. So, yeah. Dan, I know you love it, right? 
Yeah, you know, I don't know how much I love it. I definitely, it's one of the things that comes easiest to me. And it's interesting, since I started CrossFit about a year and a half ago, I've done a couple six-mile runs and a couple four- and five-mile runs, some some weird vested runs that I've posted on the gram. And, man, I, I probably never ran less in the past, you know, 15, 20 years than since I started uh, doing this about a year and a half ago. So I'm kind of in like a running, kind of gotten away from it, but it's, it's interesting. The crossover is I can still get out there and like I said, push a pretty good pace. I'm guessing I could probably do a half marathon at pretty decent pace right now. And that was one of the things that meeting CrossFitters and, and they always say that if you do that regularly, if you're a regular CrossFitter, you're a pretty, you know, solid one that you could, Pretty well go for a half marathon, but but definitely don't try a marathon. I, I tend to agree with that. But yeah, it's always been a constant in my life. I've probably done it too much, and I'm trying to get away from it to, to focus more on the strength. And um, I haven't really lost anything. Like I said, I did the uh, five five vested miles, a twenty pound vest at seven fifty one pace. So and that's without running. That's without running in a year. So it's just one of those oldest things I can do. It, it's like you know you kind of naturally float into what you're good at. And it's something that's always been there for me. It's never let me down. And, and I'll tell you, there is nothing of all the things that, you know, we do on this podcast, you know, we talk about of all, when I track my heart rate, it still gets my heart rate up the most, especially with those vested runs. So I think there's gotta be something there. I think the, um, the intensity of like a good solid push on a long run, it really gives you some uh, mental calluses and it's, it's so much of a mental game for these long runs. So yeah, I love it. I'm for it. And as Rob said, it's a basic human trait. And man, as PTs, and this is one of the things me and Rob are definitely going to get into today. As PTs, we have found a way to overcomplicate the shit out of something that is really just putting one foot in front of the other. So Yeah. And before you guys get into that stuff, I will derail this quickly. I piss off people so often. Any runner, when I tell them, I could go run a marathon tomorrow if I wanted to. There's nothing that pisses off someone that's training for a marathon like saying (laughs) that. So pro tip, if you want to piss someone off and you're in decent shape and you have an ego and they're not going to check you on your shit, just tell them, yeah, I could go run a marathon tomorrow if I wanted to. What are you training? What's your pace? What was your pace? There's none of that. I have no effing clue that that would not be impressive my point being is that yeah i could go run 26 miles tomorrow if i want i could do it right now if i wanted to people don't <laughs> like hearing that so yeah it's good to throw out there no i appreciate it you could definitely like i i just knowing you you could go run a nine minute mile marathon tomorrow i probably you could too I, I, is my point i probably yeah I, I probably could too but yeah what's the point i think that you know if you are training for a marathon it's like any other other things we talk about you have to respect the the, the sport you have to kind of respect the game do it at a pace that's going to be challenging. Don't be an asshole about it. No, but, yeah. My point is that it's yeah. just an ultimate troll move. Like if you just oh, want to be a troll a tr- and like get a laugh, yeah. tell someone Absolutely. who's training for a marathon, I could go do that tomorrow. Don't talk about the pace because that'd be embarrassing. Yes. All right. Sorry for the derailment. Back to you, Rob. <laughs> so I think the first thing I want to get into is I, I listed on the outline is this efficiency paradox because I'm sure there's people that listen to this podcast that are if you're running for a race, like your, your training should be different. If you're running for a sport or performance, your running is different. But I think most people listening are running and they're usually trying to do it to like lose fat, lose weight. And if you ever watch people at the gym or watch people out around your neighborhood, you usually see the same people running the same route at the same pace or the same speed on the treadmill every day. And it's kind of like this, the paradox, when you start to lose weight, your metabolic rate's going to go down. So you need to cut your calories more or increase your output more. Same thing with running is the more you run, the more efficient you're going to get at and your cal- calorie burn is going to get worse. So if you're running for the point of losing fat or getting, getting leaner, like the name of the game is inefficiency. 
So I know Dan talked about like running with a late vest. That's that's one way to change up the efficiency with your running. Interval running we talk about with like a lot. That's a, that's another way to change efficiency, change the energy demands of the run, changing surfaces, changing footwear. All these things are going to change the efficiency of how you run. But I think that the mindset people have is they want to make their runs as easy as possible. But if the goal, like as most people do, like in the military, especially the, the most common thing I would hear is I got to start running again because I got to get my my body weight in check. It, it's not going out and doing the same two mile, five mile loop every day. It's, it's finding ways to vary things up and cha- change the energy demands of that, that stress there. Yeah. I've always said running slow gets you in shape to run slow. And I've, I've always said that to people that, that, they plateau pretty quickly with running. And then it's like, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing the same thing I've been doing. And it's like, well, why do you expect any different results? Now you're comfortable at that pace. And then, you, you know, I talk to some people who don't wear watches or don't time their runs. And it's like, what, what the hell are you doing? In that efficiency paradox, I was thinking, so when you wrote efficiency paradox in the outline, I was thinking of something completely different, but uh, along those same lines, are we going to get to the interval, like speed training, you know, track, I know you said interval training, but I, I think doing some speed work is, is a huge part of that, um, changing the efficiency and changing the demand there. Yeah, absolutely. The next thing I want to talk about is like, if you are that person that's trying to lose weight for running, so how do I do it differently? How to, because I, I don't like, if you're somebody new to, to exercise and you don't know how to program intervals, like how do I do this differently? I have a loop around my neighborhood that I do every day. So base, real basic intervals is you're going to pick an amount of time you're going to work for, and then you rest for a preset amount of time. So like Wednesday morning when I did my run this week, it was, I set a 90 second timer on my phone and then a 90 second recovery. I just cover as much ground as I can in that 90 seconds. And then if you know me, you know, I'm always on the run up early and home late. So having a three hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG one. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. I first gave AG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. Totally take off. I walk for the next 90 seconds. The beauty of that workout is I can add an extra round to it. I can increase the time of the work interval. I can decrease the time of the rest interval. I can increase the time of the work interval. So now I have a higher work density. There's just so many variables in that that workout that I can change. And it's going to allow me to train at a speed that's above the, that aerobic capacity that we talked about eons back in like our energy systems development episode. So it's so much easier for me to manipulate that 
that interval workout versus if I'm just going for a run for distance, I either have to run farther or I have to run faster okay. or add weight to my body. Those are really the only ways to, to progress just a distance run. Or hills. Yeah, so resistance, right, yeah. Uh, weight, or yeah. like running inclines, for sure. Yeah. The footwear is an interesting thing. We're going to get into footwear in kind of the next part of this, but, but to talk about, you know, as far as the intervals go, the treadmill is also a great resource. Hey, it's winter. I'm not getting out there. I'm like a treadmill. Like this goes to like the, you know, the most basic gym girl. If you're listening to this podcast, you're just getting started running. Hey, use what Rob is saying. Just do it on the damn treadmill. It's very, very easy. You, you have everything standardized. You have, you can write it down in a notebook. You can, uh, you know, keep your own notes in your iPhone and just go on the treadmill and do the 90 second intervals or one of the ones I used to like on the treadmill is, uh, you know, do a quarter mile sprint as fast as you can, you know, walk for three minutes and then just see how many times you can do that and what your pace is and try to improve on that the next time. And maybe you can add in hills or incline there. So all this stuff can be very, very easily done outside or with the treadmill. The treadmill is a great tool too, because you can literally visualize it, especially if you're trying to learn this. It's very hard to some people will get stuck looking at a watch if they are trying to push the pace and next thing you know, they'll fall off halfway through a quarter or whatever. If you have a, if you're on the treadmill and your pace is a seven one week, the next week you put it at seven, two and the next week at seven, four or whatever, you'll get a sticking point just like you do in lifting. That'll be your working range. And you know, your intervals should be built around that. Yeah. The treadmill is a great, great tool. And you can also mess with the incline and put some resistance in there. So leverage it. Yeah, the, the key to the treadmill is you got to learn the dip move to like get on and off the belt. You got to learn how to hover your body weight yes. above the belt. Like if you don't have that move down, you got to practice that. You got to do some dips before you hop on a treadmill because that's essential to doing effective intervals. And I've, I've seen some people that get in some sketchy situations trying to do that. <laughs> yeah. So I think the big thing like with Dan and I coming from a physical therapy background is talking about the injuries with running, right? Like if, you, if you're a runner, you've been injured at some point. If you look at the epidemiology of running, the, the amount of runners within a year that get injured is something like around like 50%, depending on what study you look at. So the, the injury rate is really high. So for all the people out there that run, I feel like they all end up at these specialty running shops and investing in these, these super fancy shoes, getting these high, like really fancy gait analysis done. And Dan, I don't know what your experience is in this area, but if you, it, the research, the last time I've done a lit review on this, there, there's really no research to say like the, the fancier tech you have in your shoes, the more expensive shoe you buy is going to do anything to prevent injuries. And the one study I always like to cite, it came out a few years ago, is from like the Scandinavian Sports Science Journal. And all they did was look at runners that used two different pairs of running shoes. And there was a significant reduction in rate of, of injuries there. So there's like a few hypothesized reasons why that works better than using fancy shoes. One is it's going to give your parachute is like more time to recover between. Cause if you, when you're running, you're running at like one and a half to three times your body weight every time your foot hits the ground. So the cushioning or whatever. With this study, I'm just, I'm a little confused. There was uh two, two, what are the two groups again? I'm, I'm just, uh, I, I missed that real quick. So it was a large group and this is, I'm going off a of memory here. So yeah, that's fine. No, I don't just a general outline. I'm sorry. I one group just runs in one pair of shoes through the whole training cycle. Okay. Which I think was like a, probably like a six month period. The okay. other shoe, the other group just alternated between two pairs of shoes and the group that okay. alternated between shoes, all other factors controlled for their rate of injury was like 30 to 40% lower. So you could hypothesize a lot of reasons why that happens. The reason I always like to think is it's variety in your training, right? The person that can handle a more variety of constraints and stress on their body is going to be the more resilient person Two is it's going to sh- save your shoes a lot more, right? Because 
running is a high impact activity. Like if the cushioning in your shoe gets worn down, you're in the elements a lot, just having two pairs of shoes to rotate between is probably more injury protective than any specialty running store you're going to go to and buying like the fanciest shoe off the rack. Studies I've read, most of these running shoes are good for a couple hundred miles. Is that, is that just wrong? I think there's definitely um, something to that. I think that there's a, um, I've heard a couple hundred miles. I've heard like, I think one thing that you're, uh, uh, Mario used to throw out was uh, six months. You know, you should get new running shoes, which probably correlates with that, what Nick is saying there. Yeah, that, that's usually the recommendation I make is six months is the usually time to rotate your shoes, unless you're rotating between two pairs and it's, it's once a year you're buying two pairs of shoes. Yeah, so in terms of the uh, footwear, the, does the footwear matter? I mean, this is uh, a subject, you know, when I first met Rob, I'm going to throw you under the bus here. You had the five-finger shoes. Nice. I was going to ask about those Vibram shoes. Badass. And there was a big thing. Like, when we started PT schools, like, you know, the Born to Run book came out. And, and interesting enough, one of Rob and I's professors was uh, Dr. Irene Davis. Her TA is the man, Dr. Rich Willie, who definitely helped me through biomechanics. If it wasn't for him, I'd, uh, I'd probably still be in Dr. Davis's uh, class right now. But I told you a nickname that we can shout out. Uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm probably not close enough with him. And then his name's Rich Willie. So the, the, the directions I could go there would just be, uh, yeah, I got a couple. I got a couple. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely hurt me personally and professionally. So I'm going to go ahead and pass. <laughs> Great dude though. And I'll probably get him on the pot at some point to, to kind of get a little deeper into this whole running deal. Anyway, the barefoot running thing was a huge craze. And Dr. Davis was kind of like, for lack of a better term, you know, just way, way, way too into this whole barefoot running craze. And, and she was, you know, showing us this, this data that she had been collecting and it, it showed a decreased risk of knee injuries because of the barefoot running. And then on the next slide, it would be, oh, well, there's an increased risk of foot injuries because of the barefoot running. So there was a really real vilification of any cushioning shoe. But with footwear, I usually recommend patients start, you know, all things being equal with a, a cushion shoe. And then you can kind of go on to, if you do need a more motion control or stability shoe, you can kind of work into that later. But start with a neutral shoe, you know, see how it works. And then uh, kind of as you go from there, kind of see what works for you, what doesn't work. And if you need maybe a little bit more support, you can get into like the motion control or stability. But the uh, barefoot running craze, I'm glad to see it. Glad to see it, you know, taking its, you know, kind of weaning itself down there. Man, I ran in some uh, New Balance minimals, minimalist shoes for years. Whew, those things tore my legs up. After you got used to them, they were great, but I wasn't putting, I think at my peak, I was probably 25, 30 miles a week and it was really unnecessary. So I, I think <laughs> I think it was a fad. Who knows if there was any actual benefits to it, but for a while there, it was like, less is more, less is more. <laughs> so if you talk about like the barefoot craze, I think the evolutionary aspect to it is interesting. Like you look at the structure of the foot, it's, there's all those joints in there. They're made for force absorption. I don't think we should all be barefoot all the time and running. There's definitely a benefit to cushion shoes. But if we go back to that efficiency paradox, if you have a more minimalist type shoe, and there's plenty of companies out there that make more minimal type shoes that aren't like zero cushioning, like a minimus or a five finger. But if you get a more minimal cushioning shoe and you do like your speed work, interval work in that, and then do your longer runs with a more cushioned shoe, I think that's an interesting way to kind of change the stress on your body. And two, when you change to that more minimal shoe, your gait pattern is going to change, right? You're going to strike mm-hmm. a little bit more on the forefoot, shorter stride, and that's going to change your energy efficiency. So if you go run three miles on a minimal shoe and it totally changes your gait, you're going to burn more calories there because you're changing the stress of, of how you're running. 
That's a good thought, Nick. Tell me more about what did you experience when you were doing your, your when you were crushing that mileage with the New Balance Minimus? What was your experience with that? Specifically, what hurt, what felt good, what didn't feel good, and how long did it take you to get used to those? Yeah, it took me, well, for one, good point, Rob, that's what I do now. So if I'm running sprints, I'll still wear those stupid minimalists. And, and I like them. I, they're lighter. They just, they feel good. Your foot pattern, you, you do strike differently which is strange. You just feel, maybe you just feel the strikes because it is so much less cushion. When I was running in them, it took at least two to three weeks of like, you know, you'd wake up after a run and I'd only be running maybe three miles, four miles. And if I wasn't running on a treadmill that kind of has padding in it, if I was running out on the hard, hard pavement, it was just my, my calves and my shins were a mess. Sometimes even uh, my knees and and thighs on, on longer runs. So never had an adverse reaction when I was running on a track or like I said, any, any type of padded treadmill, but definitely any really hard surface, they tore me up. But I will say after two to three weeks, I probably did that program for six months and never, never even thought about it again. It was just getting used to it. So just to go back to the footwear. So Dan, I want to get like your, you kind of talked about, you start people in a neutral shoe. I want to get like any other footwear recommendations you have. So what I usually tell people is find a brand that fits the shape of your foot really well. So going back to my weird book recommendation, like of week three or four, fixing your feet by that podiatrist. So for me, there's a brand out there called Ultra, A-L-T-R-A, that makes a shoe with like just this super wide foot box. So like I have a really big wide foot and that shoe just fits my foot perfectly. So I tell people to find a brand that works for you and then you can mess around with like different models that they have within that brand. But usually there's going to be one brand out there that just fits your foot really well. And that's probably the more important thing than the, the tech that's in the shoe. Is that something you ever like recommend Dan or you just, you just say find something pretty cushiony? Yeah, Kusha. And I also go to the brands that spend more money on research and development. If you, one of the things that I think Nike in the past and Reebok and Adidas have all been criticized for in the running game, and I think it's definitely changed now, they've gotten better, is the lack of research and development. And the brands I think that do the best research and development would be Asics, Brooks, Ultra is a, a, a kind of a newer brand on the market. I've had a pair, of, I put a lot of miles in. I got a pair of Ultra Trail shoes, and I actually love those things. It, and one of the interesting things about ultras that do the zero heel drop, so there's no drop from the toe box or from the heel heel box to the toe box. But yeah, I, I think that having a brand like my wife just loves Nike shoes. They fit her feet perfectly. Like any most pair of like a just general Nike cushion run, running shoe fits her perfectly. Like I said, I'm oh, sorry, New Balance is what I missed. For me, New Balance, Asics, Brooks, I've ran in them all. I've logged miles into every one of them. They're all awesome. And it's really it's really yeah. funny. Like I think so much of this goes back to almost everything we say is it starts with creating a habit and a pattern and then building a foundation. My psycho dad is 65 years old and I know I bring him up a lot, but it's just so funny. He orders $25, $30 Adidas off Amazon and he runs like 90 miles a month. And it's like, yeah, I just put my shoes on I, and I go for a run. And like no adverse effects, nothing. So it's it, you can spend a bunch of money on on tech. It, it, I think a lot of people do because they they hype themselves up into thinking that they need it. I, I I don't know. I I I guess we're kind of hypothesizing here. There's a thousand options out there. I think really the consistency and deciding to stick stick to it and go do it is is the main thing you need to dedicate yourself to. Yeah. 
there's a study that I remember reading back when we were in school, and, and I think it still holds exactly with what your dad is. And there was there was a brand new, you know, I think it was maybe an Asics or some shoe that came out, you know, $160, $180 price point. Or maybe they tested several of them. Rob, I don't know if you know the, the specifics on this study. And then they compared it to like a standard, you know, like you said, that Adidas cushion shoe for 40 bucks, And and there was no change in injury rates between those two, and there was no change in performance. So it definitely speaks to your point. Yeah, it's the runner. It's the runner ultimately, you know, a lot of times. Yeah. And that's why, that's why you'll see me like kind of poo poo a lot of this gear stuff or, you know, poo poo a lot of the uh, supplements is I was looking at like guitar. I grew up playing guitar. I loved it. And I would always piss me off when you see like a real shitty guitarist, like a real shitty musician have the best gear. And it's like, dude, you can buy all that shit you want, but your fingers still are slow as fuck and you should probably quit, you know? <laughs> it's like, so you be a better you and then, you know, when you're in the upper echelon or when the, these tweaks matter, then start worrying about those tweaks. Yep, yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think that Adidas, the I love your dad's shoe story there because I, I bet that shoe just fits his foot perfectly, his work for him and he's not going to change and that's just... Yeah, it used to be the Nike Pegasus, and now it's the Adidas. Look, if you're running trails or doing anything like that, or you're really ramping up the miles, you're running 50, 60 miles a week, yeah, I think you need to do your damn research. But if I I guess my whole point is that if you're listening to this and you're trying to run 15, 20 miles a week, you know, odds are the consistency is going to be just as key as what's on your feet. For sure. So I had a bunch of points I wanted to hit on this. And as usual, we're like, like getting pretty far on time. So I know Dan and I have talked a little bit about like, does form matter for running? I know you got a pretty strong opinion on this, Dan. What, what is your, your opinion? Like, I know you say you should just be able to run, but is that something you're ever going to evaluate with runners that have pain? Like, do you coach technique at all? Yeah. You know, I've worked with a lot of runners, you know, as a physical therapist. And when you look at the best research and the best evidence, you know, you can really tease it out to two things. One would be hip strength, you know, and improving hip strength is going to be great for your runners. I think you can extrapolate that out the hip, knee, core, any type of strengthening is going to be good for your runners, especially in the lower half because, and runners notoriously don't strength train. So we are the strategy of fitness. If you are a runner out there and you are neglecting the strength training aspect, of your programming, you have to stop and you have to start strength training. That's step number one. Step number two is there's a bunch of research about running gait and there is some PTs out there that do awesome stuff. And I don't mean to, Doug Adams has a whole course and I've had friends that have taken it. Doug's course, he does a great job of analyzing running gait for your real, real serious runners out there. I guess my point would be clean up everything else. Like let's clean up the programming, make sure they're not going beyond a, you know, what they're capable of. Rich Willie gives the uh, 10% rule. So not going more than increasing your running distance more than 10% a week. So let's say you start on a new running program and you run three miles that first week. Well, let's take 10% of three miles. We'll add that and keep going and going from there. So I like the 10% rule a lot. I like strengthening a lot. And then, you know, I will look at gait, but the Best research behind gait just goes into something as simple as cadence. And cadence you could fix with a runner, I think I think pretty quickly. Maybe I'm naive in this, but I've had some pretty good success of just, hey, take the earbuds out, listen to yourself on the treadmill. So just get a runner, put them on the treadmill at a self-selected pace, or probably a little over a self-selected pace. See if they hit the ground really heavily. If they hit the ground really heavily, just tell them to take the headphones out. Cue them to not hit the ground as hard. It's a very easy thing to fix. And what that's going to do is naturally increase the cadence. So if they take 60 steps in a minute, that 60 steps goes to 100 steps, right? And 100 steps a minute, each step's going to be less impact. And what some good research has shown is that less impact is better. So the only thing I'm really going to mess with too much with a runner, especially a distance runner, is the cadence. 
everything else is going to be more based around programming, load, load and uh, load tolerance. You know, maybe we can get into footwear and, you know, any soft tissue joint restrictions we can obviously look at. But man, I, I, I think that your walking gait and your running gait is really more like a fingerprint that it is something that's modifiable. And my, I was like cringing because I saw that Zion, my man Zion Williamson, who is uh, the, the Pelicans' number one pick, there were there was PTs or whoever trying to change the way he walks in his runs. And it just made my heart sink to the ground. It's like, oh, I don't think it's a great option for a guy like Zion. I think you need to be focused on his strength and conditioning. You need to be focused on maybe dropping a couple of LBs. And uh, really bummed me out when I read that. And that spurred the discussion between me and Rob. So does your form matter? I, th- I Maybe a little bit. I look at it as more of a fingerprint than a modifiable risk factor. So, so what about you, Rob, and or Nick? Uh, chime in on my nonsense here. No, like it, as usual, like as we text things, I think we're we sound more opposed than we really are. So I I do running gait assessment all the time, and you could pick out a million things that are like abnormal a, a in somebody's gait. But when it comes down to a cadence, ninety percent of the time, like I'm just telling somebody to download a metronome app at their phone. I figure out what their baseline cadence is and I tell them to run at something that's like 7% above that. And that usually cleans up most stuff. Strengthening, I kind of use gait assessment as like a baseline to look at. They'll go through a strengthening protocol and usually that's going to improve the look of their gait. The only time I'm going to change their actual gait. So like examples, like a month ago, I had somebody come in that was having lateral knee pain, was running a half marathon that weekend and like three miles in, like her knee would start just crushing her. And she had a pretty significant crossover, which is going to put extra tensile load on the outside of the knee. So it was just a simple cue of like staying more on a line with your left foot so you're not crossing your body. She was able to finish a half marathon with just changing technique a little bit like that. So if you have like very specific injuries and you're going to see a PT that's doing a gait analysis, I think there's validity there. But usually at the end of the day, it's, it's just get stronger. <laughs> there you go. I got nothing to add. <laughs> To be fair, and we've talked about this before, Rob, when you see patients in the military, there are people who just like, well, there's people when you throw a football, I, you know, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. But there are people that throw a football. They just, they look like, like they ne- like, they just look like a fish out of water. Right. To be fair. And there's people when they run and they just look like they shouldn't be running. Right. And sometimes in the military and you've been in a military environment, you get people who are pretty good, pretty strong, pretty cardiovascular in shape that just aren't athletes and never really ran. So the running gate might look like shit. I, I haven't encountered that quite as much, you know, but, but I'm sure that that has to play in, in your opinion, in my opinion of how this kind of breaks down. Yeah. But if that person is running good times and they're not hurt, I'm not going to change anything. If okay, they, yeah, like, if they yeah. want to get faster or they have an injury, then I'm going to intervene and change some stuff. Fair enough. We're all, we're, we're in line on this. I, you know, I, like I said, I, I try to take, do my skip Bayless hot take over text and I really, I really generally agree with you. I'm sorry. All right. So real quick to kind of wrap up this running topic around the room, I want standards for being fit as a runner. So your personal standard, if you have one, and then just a really generic for the listeners, what do you think anybody listening to the show, like what, what running workouts should be, they be able to go out and do and like what time standards should they hit? So I'll still, I'll go first. So for me, five miles in under 40 minutes, like I should be able to roll out of bed and do that any day of the week, no matter how sore I am, like how I'm feeling. And then I think for the listeners, like anybody should be able to run a 5K continuously and probably should be able to get that under 30 minutes. I think that's a really conservative goal. Like if you can't do that, then you need to look in the mirror and get, get yourself moving. If, if you can run, like I think that's a very reasonable goal to hit. What about, uh, what about you, Nick? You got any personal standards on the running realm? I think you're spot on with the 5K. 
if you if you can't go run a continuous 5k in under 30 minutes male or female i think you need to to reassess and 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 kind of focus as for myself not really i mean sub seven mile i, I like to that that's not really that impressive but i'd like you know, no warm up just to be able to go out and run a six thirty. That's kind of a standard I like to hold for myself without really dying. So, about you, Dan? Yeah. So I, I think for the listeners out there, I actually like a um, five miles for the listener, and instead of the forty, I'll, I'll give you um, five miles in under forty five minutes. So a little bit more uh, time on each mile there. So that puts you at a, a nine minute mile pace. So I think that if you could do five five miles in under forty five minutes. Male or female, I think that's like not not a basic standard, but I think that's a pretty impressive runner if you can if you can hold that pace. And then, as far as you know, ways I like to measure myself, I've been doing these vested runs. So I think that if I can go out there with the vest and you know come close to a uh, you know two anywhere from that two to four mile range and under an eight minute mile pace, I'm pretty happy. So I'd say you know, the five mile one. So. I'd say two to five miles and just maintaining a sub eight minute pace with the 20 pound vest would be my own personal thing these days. That's what I've been enjoying. All right. I love the standards. I, I want to get one run workout from everybody if you have them. So the one I'm, we already talked about coach Slats today. This is one I've adapted from him. So we're going back to the treadmill. Any treadmill works. You set the incline to 10%. You're going to put the speed at like a, maybe a six or seven for the first round. So you're going to run for 20 seconds hop off the treadmill for 40 seconds. So the top of every minute, you're going to do a 20 second run and you're going to go for 15 minutes straight. So first five rounds, you kind of build up from like a six, seven mile per hour. Maybe you get up to like eight or nine by the end of the first five rounds. The next five rounds, you're trying to build up to your top speed. So the last five rounds, you're trying to hold on to that speed as much as you can. So start around six, five rounds, you get to eight from eight to 10. You maybe get up to 10, 11 miles per hour by round 11, you're going to try to hold on to that for the last five rounds. So it's just 15 minutes of sprint inclines on a treadmill. It's a, it's a, it's a nut kicker. You guys have any like standard run workouts that you, you can throw out there? Or That's, I don't have a standard per se, but I, I like, I like one that is just basically take your target, go run a mile and then decide what your target mile is. So let's say real simply it's, it's mine six minutes and then four eight hundreds at exactly half of that one-to-one rest. So if I if six-minute mile is my target, the 800s are going to be three minutes. And my goal is to keep everything right at three minutes or below on those 800s, one-to-one rest. I've found that 800s are as close to the worst thing on planet Earth as there is. So I always think it's a good gut check. I like that. So you, it's your ideal pace. What you'd like to run a mile in is what you're setting your pace right, at? Exactly. All right. I like that one. What, uh, what do you got, Dan? Yeah, I'm going to go with a workout. I was a staple of mine when I was doing like half marathon training. And it was, uh, I think, one that you developed, Rob, but I kind of made my own modifications to it. But six rounds, you do a 400 as fast as you can. So I'm trying, I'm talking like blowing this out. So you run a 400, you time it. So let's say you hit that first 400 for me, it would probably be usually that 114, 115. And then you have to do five more. You can take as much rest as you need. You can rest 10 minutes. It doesn't matter, but you have to hit that next one within Rob. You gave me 10 seconds. I bumped that down to seven seconds within seven seconds, of the first one and trying to do that for, for six rounds. Yeah, I think 10% or whatever that time is. So if you're running that first one in in two minutes, you can take like a 12-second cushion. But if you're like a 60-second runner, like six, seven seconds is a pretty good 
pretty good buffer. I think I like that one too. Yeah, I like it too because it, it kind of gives you comfortable with that rest, and then you know you're just going right back to hell again on that 400. So it's uh, it's a, it's a interesting. It's a great workout, and you, you you like go into it kind of excited, and then it's about three in, and you just you realize all the bad things about it real quick. All right, not. I think I feel like there's some good good pearls in there about running. You want you want to kick it off to the book of the week now, Nick? Yeah, let's do it. Book of the week. Who's, it, it's yours, right? Yeah, it is. So Dan's already touched on this one. So I'm going Born to Run. Google. So I hated this book back in PT school. We were forced <laughs> to read it, but I went back to it maybe like a couple of years after I graduated PT school. And it kind of focuses on this barefoot running craze. This journalist goes down to Mexico and watches this indigenous culture that just these these people run like 20, 30 miles a day. And I think the biggest take home I took from that book is like he's this journalist is watching these Mexicans run and he just sees like this look of glee on their face, even when they're doing like these ridiculous like two hundred mile races through like Arctic temperatures and it kind of made me reflect like if you're ever in like a busy city or or downtown somewhere and you see people running, everybody just looks miserable. It looks like they, they want to die. And I'm like, what what's the point of running if you if you're so miserable? Like just you might look like a psycho, but next time you're running, just try to like have a relaxed look on your face, maybe smile and it it kind of changes the way your your whole run feels. So Maybe you don't have to read the book. Maybe just smile when you run. <laughs> that, that that book, uh, I remember reading excerpts. Like, like our professor made us read excerpts of that book for school, and I absolutely hated it. I'll probably never read it. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Robert. <laughs> book fucking sucks. Well, how how many of my books of the week have you read so far? Let's be honest. Uh, two. All right, not bad. Better than I thought. I mean, like, dude, I, I, I got only so much time. I'm sorry, Rob. That was mean, but <laughs> book fucking just, sucks. That's that's the quote for this week's Instagram that's, that's, post. That's as you chose, as you tag it, perfect. Yeah, no, um, you can get at me, Christopher McDougall, if you ever want to race. <laughs> Doctor Davis, you can get at me if you ever want to race. And I barely even run these days, so don't like either of those people. So <laughs> it. there we go. Well, I'm excited to see where we go from here. What do we got for the hitters, boys? I'm going to give a, so Dan Parker, who's a good friend of mine from the gym, made a great point that there is not enough Tupac, like not even close to enough Tupac on the playlist. So, or not even on the playlist, but just at our gym in general. There's just not enough Tupac in this world. So in I'm this world, go, I agree. In this world, like like we just need more Tupac. So I'm going to go with the hitter out on bail. Tupac, it's 8.0 from Dan Parker. Great song. He's so great. He's probably the best ever, honestly. He's one, or one of the best ever, obviously. What do you got, Rob? I, I, f- I think it was on here we were talking about, like, the Tony Hawk Pro Skater soundtrack. And it made me think of uh, one of my, my favorites from that. It was a uh, song Superman by Goldfinger. I was just looking at the Tony Hawk soundtrack, and that is a great song. <laughs> 7.5. Cool. I'm going to go All Time Low is the band, and the song is Coffee, Coffee Shop Soundtrack. It is a poppy punk song that absolutely puts me in a great mood. So it's an 8-2. It's been a staple of mine for probably 15 years now. What's your next one, Dan? I'm going to go, hell yeah, fucking right, Drake and Lil Wayne, 8.6. No explanations needed. Yeah, my next one is a tribute. Mac Miller dropped an album today, posthumously. I love Mac Miller. He's got some some great ones. And it's always weird to hear an artist release an album after they're they're gone. Knock knock, Mac Miller. It's from his 2010 album, Super High Energy. Very fun, good party song, and a great workout song. So I'll give that an eight four. Cool. And then uh, Rob, I know you're going to remember this one because this harkens back to you know we first met with uh, 
gentleman named Ryan Burke, but soundtrack to my life, Kid Cudi, 8.9, one of the best gym hitters of all time. And Ryan Burke, all he played was Kid Cudi for a solid year and a half. That's awesome. Yeah, that's been on my list for a while. My last one is a new song from The King, Eminem, releasing an album overnight. No one even knew it was coming. A couple absolute gems on that album. Darkness, watch the music video, super dark, but artistic and, and awesome. A song that I'm going to put up is Yeah Yeah or Ya yeah, Ya, yeah, depending on who's reading it. And it's got uh, Eminem, obviously, Royce the Five Nine, and Black Thought absolutely steals the show with the second verse. He is one of the best in the world. So, yeah, yeah, Eminem, new album. The whole, Check the it whole out. Time, the whole time I've been super worried about Chris McDougal beating me in a race since I said that. Is he pretty fast <laughs> these days? How old is he? <laughs> nah, I think you got him. You think I got him? I'm sorry, Chris McDougal. I was so harsh on that book. <laughs> How Fish old is that dude? I have no idea. I really don't know. That was so harsh. I just really dislike like the other lady who is involved. He, he sold so many millions of copies of that book that I, I think he does not care what you say, Dan. He's 57. Yeah, yeah, he'll buy and sell my sorry ass. But, you know, if you want to do a race for charity, I'm, I'm up for it. Let me see what his 5K time is. <laughs> this will be great. I got nothing. I'm, I'm just going to wear like the, what are the, the Hoka shoes? The, the biggest cushioning shoe. Like what, what's the ant- complete antithesis of barefoot running? I'll race, I'll race Chris, Chris McDougal. You go barefoot, I'll do my Hoka's and wear a weight vest. And we'll see, see who gets it. <laughs> oh, that's great. I can't wait for the actual shoe podcast. Cause we got, you know, we can dive in even deeper. I mean, can we, can we, can we make the shoe podcast like three hours? I'm serious. I'll go, I'll go uh, JRE on the shoe podcast. God, I would love to. All right, so cool. So to wrap up, go for runs, run more often, buy shoes on sale. That's my two cents anyway. Rob, you're going to do that bald eagle workout. And yeah, I think that about wraps it up for the week, right, boys? Anything else? I'm good. Cool. I'm all set. All right, talk to you guys next week. Yep, have a wonderful week, everyone. Later.